0: Welcome to the 6th Bevy Awards presented by the Bird's Eye View Podcast, with appearances by The Roar from 34, The Baltimore Sports Today Podcast, Utah Street Report, The Full Count Chaos Podcast, Orioles Fan Problems. The Warehouse Podcast, The Baseball Widows, The Seductive Tommy Hunter, and The Artificial Turf Wars Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Jake English and Scott Magnus.
1: Thank you, Jovial J, and welcome, Birdland, to the sixth annual Bevy Awards. It's our annual mid-season awards show where we give out accolades and several stink eyes
2: to those members of the Orioles that we feel deserve a little extra recognition.
1: Yes, that's right. In this season, the Orioles that deserve extra recognition are also the ones at which we would like to throw tomatoes. Shame on you, Jake. Shame on you. Those are our guys. We're supposed to like our guys. You're right. You're so right. In fact, Scott, I wonder if I, and and many of us, are going to be up to the challenges of these dark days ahead. And that's the focus on my portion of the sixth Bevy Awards opening number.
3: Got this team's a mess tonight. And this sadness has no end inside. And as the new dark ages plague Birdland, are you strong enough to be a fan? An old fan. Bring it everything inside. No talent out and left or right. And I'm tired of seeing them too bland. Are you strong enough to be a fan? Mediocrity. We'll watch it without reprieve. Mediocrity please
4: Again, this club's not playing well. You know, and this is not just something that's new. They haven't played well since last May. You know, I think the fact that they don't have a lot of depth in their minor leagues it's just kind of caught up with them. And you're seeing guys that look like a travel team uh, on a road trip in spring training. Things aren't going the right way.
3: Wear a bag so your face won't show Face palm at every errand throw Just try to love this team if you can Are you strong enough to be a fan? An O's fan Are you strong enough to be a fan? Are you strong enough to be a fan? Are you strong enough to be an O's fan? They've shown you that they're just in net It's the kind of shame you must accept And when it's clear the front office has no plan Will you be fan enough to stay a fan? Mediocrity We'll watch it with that reprieve, mediocrity, and please don't leave.
2: Jake, you really nailed it on the head right there. Well done. I don't know who you got to sing that, what female, but um, she did an excellent job. So, Jake, in the time honor tradition, you know, I am left to pick up the scraps of this podcast. I another the show for the bevvies and basically come back and try to um, meet your standards. And I thought to myself, what can I do to match Jake English? And there's one, only one thing I can do, and that is a live song on the air. They suck. That's all I got, Jake. That's all I got. Never had a lesson in my life.
1: But it's so true. But it's so true. It speaks speaks such truth, Scott. You've touched my heart with the the reaching down into your soul and expression. Not to mention Derek Arnold's going to be extremely happy.
2: (laughs) You know, Jake, with a season like this one, it would be easy to focus on nothing but the negative. But frankly, that's been exhausting so far. And let's break from tradition and potentially look back at some of the not-so-horrible things that have happened so far in this season.
1: You know what? That's a great idea. I don't usually say this, but Scott Magnus, that's an excellent idea you just had. Uh, how about a, uh, a top 10 list of not horrific Orioles things? Love it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's start off at number 10. This is like Baltimore on's kind of bell episode. It basically. really is. <laughs> Where is the bell? Where is the bell? <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with number 10, opening day. We didn't know it was going to be like this. In fact, we were high off of a late off-season signing and then the birds came out and they did their job on opening day. They won the park was packed with orange, and we all left happy and you know what, regardless of anything else that used to be enough for us just to have opening day and they came through on it. so you know what it's a happy memory for me. that's a highlight. That's my number ten okay for the Orioles uh,
2: number nine, I think has to be winning three or four games in New York to begin the season, and also somewhat you know spoiling some of the New York Yankees you know great season so far. You know, at the end of the season, when it's the Red Sox and the Yankees, if Yankees fans have to go look back and say, man, I can't believe we lost to the Orioles, you know what? That's a minor victory in an absolutely disastrous season.
1: You know, you and I are about to have the curse of the Andino discussion all over again. Sure. But I will say that that series, three out of four in New York, we didn't know that the season was completely lost by then. So there was that little glimmer of hope. But I remember having a discussion on the show when that happened of saying, you know what? It was so good to win again. It made me remember what joy just watching a winning baseball team can bring. Sure. So I agree with you. Uh, Next, for me, it's got to be the return of Zach Britton from injury. Look, I know that he's returned to a team that doesn't need a closer. It doesn't make a difference. But I like watching Zach Britton. I like watching a player come back from a horrible Achilles injury and come back and be productive. Hopefully, he can be something that – adds to the future of the club. But Zach Britton coming out to ACDC, it's always a good thing. Jake, I think we're missing a critical component here. You know, attendance is a
2: really big issue, and there's no better way to get attendance back into the ballpark like Hawaiian shirts, which made a reappearance back in 2018. Huge success for the team, huge benefit for the fan base. Everyone loves a good Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, can't beat that. My next one that I personally come back down to is my love for Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer has truly embraced the aspect of don't give an F and has been willing to basically trash both the team and now the players in the whole Chris Davis, not given a dang attitude. Um, it was really interesting to see when Chris Davis was going through the darkest of times, which is still kind of going on to <laughs> a certain regard. Jim Palmer basically just, taking him to the woodshed and basically just calling him out. Personally, I think that was a pretty fun moment um, if you look at it and just kind of embrace the absolute terribleness that is this team.
1: Yeah, if you have to live on gallows humor and just like embracing the awkwardness, that was high on the list. Uh, Number five
2: on my list is going to go into the whole situation where um, at least the team has been active in the rumors In terms of the trade deadline, at least they're not in previous season saying we're going to go all in or we're going to hold our chips and say we're not willing to basically break up this team. We kind of knew going into the season that the team was going to have to make a move. But at least they're saying we're going to go out there and try to do something. This may be the most well organized front that the Orioles have put together in terms of a trade scenario um, since the Andy McPhail era. We'll see if this front is more of a mirage or actually reality in the next few weeks.
1: Scotty, how many drinks of the week have you just had? Did 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 you just tell me that you think the Orioles are going to be organized? <laughs> I said they're putting up the mirage of organization, okay? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Okay. It used to be that the trade deadline was only exciting to us because that was the one time of year that we were relevant. Sure. And— we got to see what goodies we might get for the future because we were fed on nothing but hope in the future and hope in the future. Are we back to this or is Manny Machado that much of a of a unique talent that it really is exciting to see what we might get back for him? Um, I think
2: people are just looking to talk about anything baseball-related right now.
1: So you're not expecting to see a franchise-changing trade like we got from Eric Bedard.
2: <laughs> Aww. Okay. Funny. All right, so we're at number four now. Number four, All-Star Game. Nick Marcakis in the All-Star Game, finally getting into it. Big highlight for Birdland. Not really related to the Orioles, but it's been interesting to hear Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Buck Walter all come out and support this former Oriole. Great to see Nick Marcakis finally get that All-Star Game nod.
1: Yes. And here's another thing about the last five or six years of Orioles baseball. Because the Orioles have been good, because uh, I've had a real team to watch, I've lost a real sense of bitterness for the people that leave. I have loved to see players come back. When Nelson Cruz came back, it was great, and the fans receiving him. You know, it's nice to see uh, even you know even a, a Steve Pierce get a warm reception from from the Orioles fans. But having Nick Markakis. Off and away, you know, longtime Orioles, a guy we all loved watching, finally get to the promised land. Ah, that is so good to see. And this winning Orioles baseball that we saw from 2012 to 2017, it kind of salved my my bitter heart enough to enjoy that. Right.
2: Number three, Jake, on my uh top ten list of not horrific Orioles events, being able to go to bed early and miss a game. <laughs> We've talked about this in previous seasons, and Andrew Stetko really put this well in an article, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, It is a marathon to constantly be on your seat and have to basically live and die with every game. And to a certain regard, we kind of fell to that complete opposite end of the spectrum. But being able to go to bed at 9 or 8 o'clock or even 7.30 after the game has been already over in the first inning is sometimes really nice.
1: You know, Scotty, in our here... What, sixth year, seventh year of Bird's Eye View? We have become even older, more boring men. All right, let's get this off the rails. Number two, I'm going to say Manny Machado being named the starting shortstop for the American League to the All-Star Game is a great thing that's happened this season.
2: Manny Machado is the only thing good going on with the Orioles in terms of position players.
1: It's so funny. I think back to 2005, Brian Roberts and Miguel Tejada were voted the all-stars sure the starting all-stars up the middle for the american league and i was like you know it's not a pity pick those are actual real good players and we're there again you know manny machado is clearly i'm not sure i would call him the class of the shortstops in the american league i'm not sure i would call him a great shortstop but he's a great player that deserves to be there and to see baltimore across his chest for the all-star game uh is just phenomenal can we go to number one that's a high-tech drumroll you got there, pal. <laughs> Number one for our not horrific things that have happened, the Kids Cheer Free Initiative. I know we've talked about it uh, a lot in the past, but gosh, that is such a great thing. I, I know we being able to take care of it, uh, take advantage of it rather, uh, having kids is one thing, but it really is heartwarming to see the Orioles do a good thing that helps families and also helps grow a fan base it's just wonderful to see an organization that has done so many poor things on the field and even worse things off the field finally knock it out of the park from a business slash uh, community relations point of view.
2: Absolutely, completely great,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report.
5: <laughs> Greetings, fellow shell shocked and downtrodden members of Birdland. This is Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report, and I'd first like to thank Jake and Scott for inviting us once again to participate in these Bevy Awards. Uh, first things first, Sierra Nevada Summerfest is my drink of the week on this fine morning. Yes, I said morning, and if you were judging me for that, then you are clearly not an Orioles fan here in 2018. Bottoms up. Our first award is the Forgotten Man Award, named after last year's winner, David Washington. Do you remember David Washington? You don't. That's kind of the point. Uh, previous winners include the likes of Alex Burnett and Cesar Cabral. Yeah, those guys are Orioles too. This, then, obviously, is the Oriole who, when you look back upon the season, you'll have absolutely zero recollection of his ever donning the black and orange. This year's nominees, Corbin Joseph, Andrew Susak, Engel Vioma, and Nestor Cortez. And the winner, with over sixty percent of the vote at UtahStreetreport.com, is Engelb. Vialma. Congratulations, Mr. Vielma. Here's to Never Thinking About You Again. Or at least until next year's Bevies and Forgotten Man Award. Ladies and gentlemen, please
0: welcome the seductive Tommy Hunter.
6: Oh yeah girl Settle in with a glass of Montague 2014 Pinot Noir And listen to me bounce little seductive tea on my lap As I present the bevy For most seductive reason to be excited about the future Yeah, girl, we know it's dark, dark times in Birdland. In fact, the worst season in 30 years. But there are some reasons to be excited. The nominees are... Cedric Mullins. Just 23 and rocking a combined 857 OPS between Bowie and Norfolk. You know he's going to be up here in August, girl. Nominee number two. The haul we're going to get for Manny Machado. We don't know what it is yet, but you know it's going to be seductive. And nominee number three, Jeffrey Ramirez. MLB.com's number 15 prospect on the Birds. He's striking out more than a batter per inning after five appearances with the O's. Eat your heart out, David S. And the winner for most seductive reason to be excited about the future in Birdland is. Tell them, little seductive T. <laughs> That's right, girl. It's the haul we're going to get from Manny Machado. Fantasy is always more seductive than reality. We don't know what we're going to get yet, at least as of this recording. But you know it's going to be seductive. Oh yeah.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Eric Arditi of Barstool Sports.
7: This is Eric Arditi from BarstoolSports.com. My 2018 Bevy Award is the Peter Gibbons from Office Space Award. The guy who shows up to work every day, doesn't do anything, begging to get fired, and does not get fired and keeps his job. There's really only one nominee for this. The winner is Dan Duquette. That guy has been mailing it in since 2015 when he wanted to get his passport and his maple sugar and his hockey stick and his molsons and go up to Canada and be president of the Blue Jays. Peter Angelos pulled the lawyer card and the Dikembe Matumbo saying, No, 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 not today. I'm not going to let you do that. He's been here every day since, just kind of dragging his feet, walking like Charlie Brown throughout the warehouse because he doesn't want to be here. He wanted to be in Toronto, yet he still has a job. He reminds me of Peter from Office Space, the guy who shows up, he guts the fish on his desk. He's playing snood on his computer, doesn't get fired, keeps his job, and ends up getting promoted. That's kind of what Dan Duquette is, the Peter Gibbons from Office Space Award. Congratulations, Dan.
0: And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Orioles pitching.
2: All right, Jake, let's go ahead and do some good, the bad, and the ugly pitching style. Uh, So, Jake, I'm going to start it off this time. Uh, My good For the bevies midway through is going to go to richard blyer ah good old dick blyer dick blyer yep so i really feel like richard blyer came into last season had some decent results but i was just like yeah you know what that's it's it's not going to replicate throughout the entire season but richard blyer had a great first staff start of the season and you know i realize he's injured um but that being said i am really interested to see what comes out of Richard Blyer in the near future? Now, I will say he's 31 years old. Um, we've had a history of, you know, pitchers, specifically in the bullpen, that once they get over 30, you know, they have a tendency to fall apart. But I really like what I see from Richard Blyer in terms of really getting soft contact and that ground ball percentage is really intriguing. I think he is our cheaper version of Zach Burton moving forward.
1: Scott, before I move on, can I burst your bubble? Sure. Chasro. Ooh. I think Richard Blyer. And I love watching him. I I I love Richard Blyer does not have a mullet. No, he doesn't yet. 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 I wonder if Richard Blyer isn't just the quick period of really, really great to effective ball that Dan Duquette seems to pull out of a hat. Sure. I hope. I hope he's a meaningful part of the bullpen moving forward. But I wouldn't call myself convinced. Not yet. All right. um, My good is a little backhanded, but bear with me on this one. My good is the promise of starters in the future. That sounds weird, but the Orioles have signed Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner to multi-year deals. And I think that neither one of those guys is Ebaldo Jimenez. Yes, I know they've both had ups and downs, but hear me out on this one. Scott, I feel truly that if the Orioles' defense, particularly the Orioles' outfield defense, were more uh, competent— that these guys would be a lot more effective. And I think that there is reason to hope that between those two and Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman, that the rotation can be average, league average, in the years that we have those guys. And so all the Orioles have to do is build up an offense and, hopefully, some replacements. I'm not going to use the word cavalry. Some replacements for when those guys are gone. So... My good is the promise that the pitching might not always be terrible.
2: But on a bad category, Alex Cobb has been absolutely horrible this season. Um, 6.41 ERA, 5.10 FIP, 4.60 XFIP, 6.12 Ks per nine. He's just not confusing anybody out there. People are literally waiting for the ball to come across the plate, and they're smacking it. Um, if this individual is named a Jimenez— We'd be losing our minds over him. I don't understand, to a certain regard, why there isn't more of an animosity to Alex Cobb. I personally don't have it either, so I'm personally to blame here too. But it's very odd to me that Alex Cobb has been given this free pass, as it were, for this season.
1: I think the reason that he and everyone else has been getting a free pass is that what do you get uh, upset about? If this were a team that were fighting for a wildcard uh, spot and sure. Alex Cobb was screwing us, yeah, we'd be pissed at him. Right. But he's just one of many problems.
2: Right. I, I, I guess looking at it, though, it, people get upset with, like, Mark Trumbo or Chris Davis. Why are people not getting upset with an Alex Cobb? I think it easily comes down to people just
1: like corn. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. All right. My bad is going to go to Brad Brock.
3: Bad Brock? <laughs> uh,
1: Brock was supposed to be of the bullpen that would be effective he would be holding down the fort while we waited for zach Britton, and that has just not no. been the case wasn't the case this year wasn't the case last year and it's not even that he wilts in the ninth it's not that he can't handle the 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 you know showcase he wilts whenever he comes in he's good for blowing up whenever he's brought in these days He's gone from a reliever that everyone has said, man, that's going to be a lockdown closer someday, to a guy I don't trust from the fifth to the ninth. Brad Brock had every chance to grow this year after a rocky 2017, and he did not. And even worse, he's ruined his trade value, which means he's no good to us on the field, and he's no good to us in the future. That's bad Brock. I think Brad
2: Brock's going to get traded
1: to a minor league team? No. Someone's going to pick pick
2: him up for maybe a bag of balls. But someone's going to pick up Brad Brock thinking they can turn him into something. Oof. My ugly is going to obviously go to Chris Tillman, who rumors say that he might come back up with the Orioles and pitch. I see no reason for that. When Chris Tillman was up here, he had a 10.46 ERA, a 7.22 FIP, and a 6.3 XFIP. Good for a negative 0.5 FWAR. He had a 4.39 case per nine and a 5.74 walks per nine. Everything about this screams this player is done. Yet the Orioles are still holding on to this belief that maybe, just maybe, he can salvage his career. Guys, it's time to call it. The death of Chris Tillman has happened. It happened almost a year and a half ago. It's time to move on.
1: My ugly is going to mirror my good. And that is the promise. The promise of starting Pitching. This time I'm talking about what exists in the minors and what we've seen. This season has gone horrifically. And, in part, we've needed some starters. And so, what have we gotten? Next to nothing. What have we gotten from the bullpen? From guys that are in the minors? Next to nothing. David Hess, I thought, might be somebody he's clearly not worked out as well as we'd hoped. Ryan Meisinger. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Ramirez, Jimmy Jacobonis. These aren't major league pitchers. These are all names you're making up right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and even now, we're watching Tanner Scott, who we hoped would be something significant, kind of flame out. I'm hoping this is a flash in the pan in the wrong direction. But we're not seeing any positive signs from members of the organization on the four to man roster that might be back next year to help this club. We're seeing nothing. There is no promise down below. And you know what? Again, I'm going to use the dirty word cavalry again. I wasn't expecting anybody to come save us, but I was expecting that this organization over the last five years had something of value in the cupboard. And I'm just not seeing it. And that makes me feel ill. It is ugly. Well, with a weak
2: farm system, you know, obviously you need to um, strengthen um, your bullpen. So maybe it's time we go out and sign the likes of a Kevin Gregg or a Michael Gonzalez um, to a very lucrative contract in order to support this team going forward.
1: You're in timeout. No more from you. Jovial J, save me.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Taylor of The Roar from 34.
8: Thank you, Scott and Jake, and thank you, Bird's Eye View listeners. It's a pleasure to be here as part of the Bevy Awards for the third consecutive year as a presenter. This is Matt Taylor from Roar from 34. You can find me at roarfrom34.com, on Twitter at Roar from 34, and I focus on humor, history, and homerism, which I've been doing since 2006, although I took last year off as a sort of retirement. I guess you could call me the Colby Rasmus of Orioles bloggers. Left, came back, haven't left yet again, though, although I may be kicked to the curb. Anyway, today I am pleased to be presenting the Hey, Remember That One Great Play He Made Award. Now, the Hey, he, Remember That One Great Play He Made Award goes out to the player who made a fantastic play at some point in this Orioles season that maybe obscures the larger reality of the season. If you weren't watching on a regular basis, you might think, Hey, he's pretty good, isn't he? So let's start off with our nominees, beginning with, first... Craig Gentry, with a home run stealing catch to rob the Twins, Eddie Rosario, of a home run on opening day. Yeah, it felt like we found our answer in right field. The guy that Buck termed his secret weapon. We later learned, however, that the Orioles don't really value defense anymore. And Craig's also been injured. But uh, the Calling card of the past has now became, become something of a punchline. Name three things the Orioles don't do very well pitching, defense, and three run homers. So Craig Gentry is our first nominee in the category. Second, you could pick any number of plays, but let's take Manny Machado backhanding a Justin Smoke ground ball in the hole and throwing smoke out from shallow left field versus the Blue Jays, that one coming from early April. You watched that play and you might have thought, wow, Derek Jeter would have had to make a jump throw to get him out at first. You know the one thing that Manny Machado and Derek Jeter have in common? Neither one of them is a particularly great shortstop. But if you saw that play, you might think, hey, Manny, he is one great shortstop. <clears throat> Should have stuck to the hot corner. Our third nominee in the category We've got Michael Givens. You may remember him blocking the plate and tagging out D.D. Gregorius with what would have been the winning run for the New York Yankees in extra innings following a wild pitch in the Big Apple. Catchers can't block the plate, but Michael Givens sure can. If you saw that play, you remember it. An amazing game-saving play. And if you haven't watched as much Orioles baseball, you might think, man, Michael Givens, he's amazing. He's not had the season we're accustomed to, but we do appreciate that play. Our final nominee, that same game in New York. The Bull, El Toro, Pedro Alvarez, hitting a grand slam in extra innings. The 14th inning, to be specific, to give the Orioles their first two-game win streak of the season back on April 7th. What an uplifting win in an uplifting series that was completely misleading, just like Alvarez's play. Sorry, Pedro, but the Orioles don't have enough room for one-dimensional guys who strike out a lot and can't play defense. There's only so many spots we can give up to that. So those are our nominees in the, hey, remember that one time he made a great play category. Time to announce our winner, and we would like to congratulate Michael Givens. Blocking the plate and tagging out D.D. Gregorius in extra innings after a wild pitch. Saving the game in New York City. Went to a game recently with a good friend and longtime Orioles fan who acknowledged, like many of us, that you can't be angry at Michael Gibbons after that play. Coming against the Yankees, saving a rare win for the Orioles. So athletic, so graceful, so amazing, so unlike anything else that's happened in Birdland this season. Fans, I hope you enjoy the rest of the bevvies. Glad to be a part of it. This is Matt Taylor from Roar from 34 signing off and saying, enjoy the break from all this bad baseball.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Scott Magnus of Bird's Eye View.
2: Let's start off with awards number one. This one is the category of Last Man Standing. And this award is presented to the player we think will be the best player left on the Orioles, on the last day of the season. In other words, who will survive the fire sale uh, of those players who have had decent to good seasons? And the nominees are Adam Jones, Dylan Bundy, Tim Beckham, Cedric Mullins, and one of the prospects returned in the Manny Machado trade. Scott, I'm
1: going to hand you the envelope if you would so please take a look at that. Just let us know what you find.
2: And the winner is... Big old Dylan Bundy is the winner of this year's 2018 last man standing Bevy. Jake, I, I think looking at this list, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the prospects returning in the Manny Machado trade would be the most obvious one if this team was being run in the correct manner, but there's no chance the Orioles go and trade Dylan Bundy, even though more than likely they might be wanting to give consideration to doing so due to coming into arbitration years. But Dylan Bundy is definitely going to last out the rest of the season um, and probably the next two or three seasons. And then right in 2022, when he's about to go become a free agent, that's when the Orioles are going to try to trade him right at the very last moment. It's not as if they've done it before. Oh, oh, well, maybe they'll
0: extend him. T- oh, oh, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns of the Baltimore Sports Today podcast. Hey, it's Zach Wilt. It's Javi Burns from Baltimore Source
9: Today. And we are privileged and honored to be joining Jake and Scott once again at the annual Bevies. If you got to look back at an awful
10: first half of the Orioles season, you might as well have some fun with it, Zach.
9: Yeah, you might as well. So we're here to present the nominees for Best Hair on the 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Here's the thing, Zach. My guy...
10: Is was gonna be a starter Zach at some point in the beginning of the year. When I was in Sarasota, this guy was gonna be a starter and I was terrified. They put him back in the spot that I think he should be. I think he did a good job there. But I was more enamored every game that I went to when there was four thousand people at Camden Yard Zach, and that's Miguel
9: Castro. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Uh we've got a couple other great nominees. Oh, you think? Manny Machado, shortstop Mark? and Hold top on, trade Zach. is he still target. an Oriole? <laughs> right now, as of recording, yes, yes, he is.
10: Now, you, you, there another one that seems to come to mind for us is a third, uh, third contested here. Is one Tim Beckham, who will probably, when Manny is a Philly, will be a um,
9: your shortstop going forward. So, I think Tim Beckham would be our third participant. So there we go. So we got Miguel Castro, Manny Machado, and Tim Beckham for best hair on the Baltimore Royals in 2018. And Jeff, we have a very special guest here to announce the winner.
10: Yeah, um, this is your second place winner of the Maryland-Pennsylvania Pitch Run Hit It's my son, Jackson, who's also a frequent guest, and Zach probably gave us our biggest downloads on BST, because not all of us can have the the download numbers like one's bird's eye view. My (laughs) son, Jackson. So
9: thanks for being here, Jackson. How's it going?
11: Good. How are you?
9: We're great. We're great. I'm sorry that the Orioles have been so bad here uh, this season, so we're trying to have a little bit of fun. So uh, who is the winner? Who do you have for the winner of best hair for the 2018 Orioles?
11: And the winner is Miguel Castro.
9: Miguel Castro. I love it. I love it. I think that's a great pick, Jab. Don't you think that's a great pick?
10: Well, of course, it's because it's my guy. And there's no (laughs) nepotism involved in this show, Zach, as you know, because I'm harder on my own than others. I'm no Mike Piazza's uh you know i'm no tommy lasorda to mike piazza by any stretch when it comes to this but i do think miguel castro as much as manny machado's hair tilted everybody in the 410 when as soon as he got it out there in
9: march i think this is a great pick for us i'm curious with jackson here what, what somebody a little bit younger thinks of manny machado's hair what do you what do you think of manny machado's hair jackson
11: it's good, but by the time people listen to this, Manny Machado probably won't be a Oriole. So
9: <laughs> that's true. So he should just be disqualified from uh, yes. from winning a bevy because he won't out. be an Oriole. He's gonna win enough in another team's uniform, Zach. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That's so sad. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of of the uh, of the. I think Machado's hair is just a little bit nuts, but I might be showing my, my age with with having that take. So, uh, so it's good to good to get Jackson's take. Jackson, what do you think? How are the Orioles going to fare the rest of the year? Is it possible that they're not going to have the worst year in their franchise's history?
11: Well, they're easily going to have the worst year, but next year, they're going to be even worse. Without Machado, without Jones, what are they going to do?
9: I don't know, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a good question. I love the analysis, Jab, but it was just like <laughs> even better than anything we could put together.
10: That's absolutely right, and that's why most people listen to Bird's Eye View, because that's a good product, Uh, they play good music, but they don't know anything about Jonathan
9: Scope. (laughs) Well, uh, Jackson, thanks for being our special guest and announcing the winner this year. We appreciate your help. Thank you. And let's send it back over to Jake
0: and Scott. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Orioles offense.
1: All right, let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of hitting. This has not been a great offensive showing from the Baltimore Orioles for the first half, but let's dig deep and go to the good. I'm going to go chalk. Manny Machado has been a lot of fun to watch. You're going to go with only. Yeah. There's only one player that's really hitting right now. Yeah, you notice I didn't even take a breath. I I wanted to go first because I wanted to get the good. I got him. You got him. I got there first. Uh, Manny Machado has just been so much fun to watch. And, And, you know, it's not just that you know he gets walk you know walked around all the time. He deserves to be. He's not just the only good player on the Baltimore Orioles. He's having a three point six WAR season at the midpoint. He's having a great season. You kept threatening someday he was going to be an MVP. I don't know if that's this season. Maybe maybe in the second half when he's on a real team it might right. be. But uh, he's he's having uh, for every statistical category you could pick offensively he's having a good one. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, weighted runs created plus of only 152. I only. say only 152, uh, but I expect that to take off when he's on a functional offense. So, Manny Machado, if we only get to watch you for half a season, it has been a fun half, and my hat is off to you, sir.
2: 152 weighted runs created plus would be his best season of his entire career to date, and he was also on pace to have his most home runs of his career to date as well. So, Manny Machado muy and fuego it was nice knowing you manny best of luck to whatever team you go to jake you left me with the scrap pile so i had to go through and look at this uh my good is going to go to mark trumbo who is posting a 110 weighted runs created plus he is the only other member besides manny that has a weighted runs created plus of over 100 and i'm looking at mark trumbo's numbers and it's like okay well but mark trumbo hasn't been great but in reality, I'm looking at Mark Trumbo's numbers right now. He's got a .254 average, a .315 on-base percentage, and a .456 slugging percentage. In 2016, when we had him, he had a .256 average, .316 average, and a .533 slugging percentage. That's exactly right after we said, we're going to offer this guy a contract. Mark Trumbo is doing exactly what we kind of sent him to do. You know, hit 110, 120-weighted runs, created plus, hit a bunch of home runs. Right now, he's at 12 home runs. He probably won't get to 40 like he did in 2016 because he was injured. But it's possible that he could get to 20, maybe 25 home runs by the end of the season. Mark Trumbo is doing what he needs to do to be a productive DH going forward in the American League.
1: All right. Uh, My bad, and this is where things start to get easy, my bad is going to go to Caleb Joseph. We wondered, is Caleb Joseph ready? Can he be a number one catcher? Because Chance Cisco isn't ready to come up and be the starter. Can Caleb Joseph do what he needs to do at the plate to be that number one guy? And Scotty, he hasn't even been what he needs to be to stay at the major league level. Even his the brother entirety. got promoted instead of him. That's right. He's at a 50-weighted runs creative plus. His WOBA is at 246. His average is 208, an OBP of 237, and a slugging percentage of 331 uh, with a, a strikeout percentage of 25 and point seven percent. That is Chris Davis esque, my friend. Um, plus 10 percent, but plus 10 percent. <laughs> Caleb Joseph is just failed in every respect to hold up the very low expectations I feel that we had for him offensively going into the season. He needed to be just okay, he needed to be just okay in order to validate. Playing him half, if not more, of the time, so that Chancisco could come around a little slowly, and he failed to do that, and I would I would argue has failed to do so miserably.
2: Jake, my bad. I want to fill up the trifecta. My bad's the promise, <laughs> and it was the promise of the young talent in Trey Mancini and Chancisco coming up, and basically serving as uh, support pieces for this team, maybe not necessarily being all stars but being, you know, that one to two war player in order to basically build up the team. And so far, Trey Mancini is posting a 81 weighted runs created plus a 295 on base percentage and is posting a negative 0.4 F war. Now, part of that is due to his defense, but Trey Mancini is certainly way off his offensive performance from last year. And San Cisco was heralded as this individual that was going to be, you know, a contact hitter um, with a really good on base percentage. And so far... He's posting a 195 average, a 306 on-base percentage, and a 70 weighted runs created plus. Jake, Chancisco and Trey Mancini appear as if they have taken a step backwards, and all the accolades that were basically praised onto this team from the front office in terms of saying, look at the future. We've got Trey Mancini, Chancisco. They're going to become the next superstars for this team. Looking at it now, they are certainly no superstars.
1: So I feel like we've circled this around. The promise of the starting pitching. The promise of the starting pitching. The promise of the future. Again, we've we've circled is this is this a promise ring of sadness? Absolutely. All right. I'm gonna go to ugly for uh for the uh for the offense. And my ugly is the collective slump. The collective ineffectiveness. Did you just go with all of the above? Yes. Okay. Everything remaining, Scott, you and I mentioned that the only guys over weighted runs created plus of 100, which, again, is a league average player, are Trump and Machado. Adam Jones is at a weighted runs created plus of 95. Mancini's, you indicated, an 81. Jonathan Scope, a 74. Cisco, a 70. You keep going further and further. Joseph is a 50. He's half the offensive player an average player should be. Tim Beckham in the short time that he's been here, 46. Chris Davis—I'm not even going there. Chris Davis is bad, but my point— Chris Davis is ugly. My point—no, he's retired from ugly. Okay. You remember that. That's right. We no
2: longer allowed to do that. He has earned the Abato Amena's lifetime ugly award.
1: My point is, is that it's as if it's infectious. This team has been miserable offensively. And, you know, it's weird because it used to be that— this only happened in the playoffs, right? Sure. It used to be that this team only disappeared in the playoffs, but at least we could depend on them being a, a powerful, viable lineup that could hide mistakes for the, the pitching, and that has not been the case this year. And I cannot believe that everybody sucks.
2: Yeah. Everybody. Everybody stinks. I mean, you're absolutely right from the collective aspect. The Oros currently rank on the entire league. Uh, dead last, with an 81-rated credit plus. They are tied right now with the Royals with a similar 81-rated credit credit plus. Jake, I I think the biggest thing that people are going to point out is, well, it's because they strike out so much, and that's the reason they're so bad. To which I say, I hear what you're saying, but you couldn't be any more wrong. The Orioles currently have a 23.6% K rate. Right behind them is... The New York Yankees, with a 23.3% K rate.
1: Are they, uh, are they 43, uh, 45, 50 games below 500? No.
2: Huh. And the Diamondbacks, with a 24.2% K rate.
1: Are they uh, watching the elimination number as if it's uh, coming quickly? No. Huh. okay.
2: Um, now, I will point out, the walk rate is absolutely horrible for the Baltimore Orioles. They're at 7.3%, so that's not balancing itself out, but... Um, I, I will point out that the strikeout is not the only reason the Orioles are failing. There is no power. And this was a team that was coming in as being projected to basically be number two in the league in home runs. And we have not seen any of that uh, power out there from both a Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo being injured. Right now, the Orioles
1: rank 14th in home runs. 14th. And say what you will, make whatever mistake you, or whatever excuse you want to make, you know, this team is pressing, or just because they've lost so many games, but I'm not saying good at bats. I'm not saying quality at bats. When when a player comes up with one out and the base is loaded, I know that they're not going to score, because of the the approach that I've seen all year. The offense has just been absolutely wretched. Yep,
2: absolutely. But... Again, it's not just based off the strikeouts. It's the overall entire approach and the collective sum of all the above. It was the promise, Jake. The (laughs) promise. Jake, you know what else we were promised? We were promised a recurring season from one of our All-Stars last year in Jonathan Scope. And we have yet to see that. In fact, Jonathan Scope has returned back to 2014 levels of terrible um just looking at Jonathan Scope's numbers this year 227 average 263 on base percentage 391 slugging good for a 74 weighted runs created plus and, and and more importantly you know he only has 10 home runs so far on the season Jonathan Scope is not the power hitting second baseman that we have known him to be over the past 2 years in fact he's kind of come back and basically now just been Well, at least he's somewhat okay out there at second base. Jake, I don't know what is going to happen with Jonathan Scope going forward. You know, I don't know if what we saw over the past two years with Jonathan Scope is truly who he was, or if this is the Jonathan Scope that he truly is. I feel like this is kind of comes back to your point from the ugly is, I feel like Jonathan Scope has been bundled into this compounded aspect of terrible approaches at the plate and terrible results occurring afterwards. So, Jonathan Scope was the promise potentially for the future, and now I don't see how the Orioles can offer him a long-term contract.
1: And right here before the All-Star break, he's had a good week. He's he's actually had a very good week, but the problem is he can't just be good for a little while and disappear for the rest of the season, right? As you indicated, this is a player that we once wondered if we should be starting Ryan Flaherty instead of Jonathan Scope. Right. And if he reverts to that uneven a performance, we can't keep trotting him out there. The promise is there. We have to stop using that word. The uh, the potential is there. Right. But he needs to do it, and he needs to do it completely. He needs to have a complete season before the Orioles can believe in him.
2: Well, he's had a complete season last year in, in reality, but uh, this season certainly doesn't back up that um, last season. So, again, I don't know what the Orioles are going to do with him, but um, I promise you we're going to figure out what's
0: going on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report.
5: Thank you, gentlemen. This is again Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report, where the summer fests have been flowing like wine. I'm here to bring you another Bevy Award. It is my pleasure to introduce the nominees for our second award, the Why Are You Breaking My Heart Like This Just Let Me Love You Award. Past winners include the Chrises, Davis and Tillman, Kevin Gossman, and even Manny Machado. That's right. Nobody is safe from this award. If you're if you're having a bad first half, and and this is important, fans still believe you have the potential to be good. So Davis isn't eligible. Then you can be nominated for this. And this year's first half disappointments are in no particular order: Jonathan Scope, Trey Mancini. Alex Cobb and Michael Givens and the winner again with over 60% of the vote at utahstreetreport.com is Jonathan Scope. Scope joins his bestie Manny as back-to-back not hitters of home runs but winners of this awful awful award. Yippee! Not dope. Not dope at all.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sarah English and Carrie Magnus, the Baseball Widows.
12: Hi, Birdland. Baseball Widows here to present our award for this year's Bevies. So I think we
11: all can agree that it is a pretty dark time in Birdland. And when I think about dark times, it makes me think of one of my favorite authors, J.K. Rowling, who reminds us that anytime there is darkness, there is also light. So tonight, our Bevy Award is hopefully going to bring some light to Birdland, and our award will be for the Orioles player who is most like a character from a Harry Potter novel.
12: All right, our first nominee is Chris Davis. Chris Davis is quite like Fudge. He rose to power, um, but then became pretty utterly useless and disgraced himself and the wizarding community, or in this case, the Orioles community. Our next nominee is
11: Manny Machado as Cedric Diggory. Both guys were in their prime when they were taken out by a dark force. Voldemort and the Yankees are
12: the same, right? Yeah. Our third nominee is the whole team this time, and we're going to call them Hufflepuff, because they are largely unremarkable and basically unnecessary. I take offense to that, because I am a Hufflepuff,
11: and... Okay, so the team is unremarkable and unnecessary, <laughs> but Hufflepuffs aren't. Our next nominee will be Buckshow Walter as Professor McGonagall. Both kind of those straight-faced leaders that you think might not really have a softer side, but when push comes to shove, you know that they would do anything for their students
12: or their guys. And our final nominee is the spirit of the Orioles fans as Fox. Uh, Our spirit goes up in flames every once in a while, or as this year has gone, almost every game, but it returns majestically with every new day or season.
11: And the winner of the bevy for the Orioles player who is most like a Harry Potter character is...
0: The spirit of the Orioles fans.
11: We will be back.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nathan Andrews of the Full Count Chaos Podcast. Hey, this is Nathan
13: Andrews from Full Count Chaos Podcast, and I feel honored. I was invited this year to the Bevvies to present the award for the most boneheaded moments slash decisions during the Orioles season so far in 2018. Now, there was a ton to choose from, and it took a while to narrow them down, but I did. Now, this award could go to a player, coach, announcer, writer, bat boy. It all depended on what went down and was it considered boneheaded. So here we go with the nominees. For the most boneheaded moment slash decision so far in 2018. Gary Thorne for saying shit on national television. Buck Showalter for deciding to bat Chris Davis' leadoff in the beginning of the season. Chris Davis for saying he's back feeling great during an interview while still batting 149. Craig Gentry for getting picked off on second base, ninth inning, no outs, down by two on May 30th. Dan Duquette for having three Rule 5 guys on his roster for the start of the 2018 season. Paying Colby Rasmus to join the team, hoping he found his sanity and would play a full season, ever decision that was. Buck Showalter for continuing to wear long-sleeve jackets during 100-degree weather games. And I'm probably forgetting a lot of other boneheaded moments of this season, I'm sure, but there can only be one winner. So, here we go. The winner. For the most boneheaded move in 2018 so far goes to Buck Showalter for deciding to back Chris Davis' leadoff in the beginning of the season. I thought this was a no-brainer. Apparently, Buck feels that games in April don't mean a thing because when you back Chris Davis' leadoff, you're basically saying, eh, there's always May. May. Buck Showalter did reach out and say he couldn't make it to accept the award, but I'm sure he's proud and he'd say some witty things here on the mic. I want to thank Bird's Eye View podcast for having me on, and here's to hoping 2019 brings smiles to Orioles fans' faces. Till next time, go O's. See ya.
0: And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Orioles defense.
2: All right, let's go ahead and get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of defense. And, uh... Jake, I'm going to start us off with the good for this 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 one. Yeah, I got nothing. There has been nothing good defensively coming into this season. And it's very surprising. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. I said full out that Manny Machado moving from third base to shortstop would not be a significant detriment um, to the team as it was. And that I was somewhat excited. And yes, Manny has done an okay job at shortstop. Um, but certainly, he doesn't have that all star like play um, and one of the best third basemen out there that he does
1: at shortstop. Scott, I can't believe you couldn't come up with a single good thing for the defense. That seems lazy and unethical. All right. I'm going to take up the mantle. All right. I'm going to fix this birdland. Let me just look at my notes. Good for defense. Oh, holy crap. You're right been really difficult to watch the Orioles. The article that recently came out with The Ringer talking about the Orioles' putrid play in the outfield has really struck with me. Um, Gross. Just gross. Yeah.
2: All right. Going to bad, uh, I'm going to give mine to Chris Davis, and I think this kind of compounds on what we have seen at the plate. Chris Davis has, you know, shown some of his inadequacies at first base um and i think people are always coming back in the past and saying well at least we get good defense from chris davis and i've always constantly pointed out well he's okay but he's not gold glove level i mean it's not terrible but it's not gold glove level and i think we are further seeing that decline in defensive performance from chris davis um this season
1: so chris davis is my bad for defense this year I hear you, and you're right. He has not been good this year, but I will say that I think that in previous seasons he was better than you've given him credit for. However, you are definitely right now. Uh, I hinted at it before about the alpha defense. Uh, My bad is Adam Jones. Adam Jones is no longer a center fielder. There was a time where the argument was, is he a gold glove center fielder or is he not? The argument was, is he playing too shallow or is he not? The argument is over. Should he be playing center field or not? We have a corner outfielder playing center field. I love Adam Jones, but I'm going to love him patrolling right field of cannon Yards. Trade him off, get what you need for him, bring him back as a right fielder. Because whoever gets him is not going to be playing him. Oh, so you're to advocating for the
2: uh, the Mike Boarding treatment, basically. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think Adam is even kind of embracing this as well. There was a recent conversation with him talking about Cedric Mullins. Um, I, I think Adam is aware that um, some of the youngins are a little bit quicker than he is and that he needs to, to a certain regard, refine his game and basically match his game for what his body is able to do, um, which is sad, but us old men always go through it. So It's the circle of life. Circle of life. It's, it's the promise of you know getting old. <laughs> All right, my ugly is going to go to Trey Mancini, who, uh, talking about corner outfielders, Trey Mancini is no corner outfielder, and I think we have perfectly seen it. I think, you know, for as much, you know, flack that we gave Mark Trumbo previously in right field, I think Trey Mancini is having a similar awful type of outfield uh, defense this season. Um, You know, Trey Mancini needs to get back to first base. If Trey Mancini is going to stay on this team long-term, Trey Mancini needs to get to first base. Um... Where that leaves Chris Davis, not really my concern. But treatment team needs to get back to first base sooner rather than later.
1: I would also apologize for him a lot more if he was hitting, right? Yeah. If he wanted to be terrible out in left field while he was mashing the ball, sure, that's a discussion to have. He's not mashing the ball. He's ugly. Right? Uh, my ugly for the uh, defense is designated hitters playing out of position. We have seen in right field alone yep. Danny Valencia. Mark Trumbo, Pedro Alvarez in the outfield. Yep. With gloves on their hands. Yep. That should not happen. Nope. We've seen Pedro Alvarez at third base. Yep. That should not happen. Nope. It's it's pretty terrible. We've seen we've seen Danny Valencia at third base. That is inexcusable. To be fair, we've seen
2: Dumb and Young, Wilson Bed and Meat um in the field before for the Royals. so this is very buck show walter-esque to say let's throw a glove out there and see what happens we saw steve pierce at second base jake and they didn't come back and bite us
1: but um Don't yeah it you wasn't great. say a bad thing about steve pierce well he is with the red Sox now oh, man. the he's no kobe rasmus the defense has gotten worse and less flexible You know, and it's not just literally less flexible, (laughs) and it's not just Ryan Flaherty leaving. That's not what this is about. But they broke camp without a complement of fielders. They really did, and they were hoping that the bats would would cover for them, and they didn't. So my ugly is DHs playing out of position.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tyler Young and Marcus Smith of the Warehouse Podcast.
14: Hello there. My name is Tyler, and I'm Marcus. And we are two-thirds of a weekly Orioles podcast called The Warehouse. Yes, sir. New episodes are coming out every Tuesday morning, and on that, uh, you'll also hear our third member, Jesse. And we've been asked by the Bird's Eye View guys to present the award for the most likely 2019 Orioles promotion slash giveaway. We are very honored. We are. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's our first time on the podcast, and uh, we're, we're big fans of the show, so this is very exciting for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough season in Birdland. Mm-hmm. The team's terrible. Yeah. Manny is going to be traded here directly. Zach Britton possibly right behind him. But something that uh, the Orioles' powers that be that have done this year is uh, increase the amount of giveaways and theme nights and all that stuff to right. entice people to uh, continue coming to the ballpark. Yes,
15: we need uh, a lot of incentive because we are pretty bad. Yeah. So the, speaking of that, <laughs> uh, in addition to the standard bobbleheads and T-shirts, uh, the Orioles staffers have, are handing out, well, I'll say we are actually handing out our three special uh, or four. We got
14: four, four nominees. Uh, different uh, nominees. Yeah. Here we go. The first nominee we've got, uh, most likely 2019 Orioles promotion slash giveaway, is Kids Play Free. This is a uh, sort of a spinoff of Kids Cheer Free, which is going on this year. So instead, what we're going to do... For next year would be Kids Play Free, where a select number of kids throughout the year get to replace one of the players on the field during the game. I think that's a good idea because how much worse could you know a seven-year-old play than Chris Davis at first base, and maybe like a local second grader already has better range than Adam Jones in center hey, hey, field? Hey, hey. Whoa, <laughs> that's a touchy topic for for Marcus here. He's the Orioles. Uh, he's the Adam Jones protector on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> um. So. So that's that's a good idea that uh, we came up with. Okay. Our right. Second nominee. Second nominee. Is Chris
15: Davis, two pick holder and dispenser. With the amount of contact the Orioles first baseman has made, uh, it's almost like swinging a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, a toothpick. Yep, that's what it so looks like. So, to make that uh, like a perfect uh, reality, Yeah, we're going to give the fans a actual toothpick dispenser with whole toothpicks in them.
14: And it could maybe the toothpicks are made by bats that Chris Davis has broken over his leg Absolutely, it's the only way to do it. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> maybe there's dirt on those toothpicks, though. Okay, so the third one is... The Stay Hungry Adam Jones exclusive. Now we know Adam Jones may not be around next year. We don't know, but no, no. there's some talk out there that even if he gets traded away, he'll be back next season after free agency is all done with, and we're we're banking on that right. because this. This idea is kind of a, similar to the Birdland social thing where you know fans get to meet with a guy prior to the game. In this one, you're going to meet with Adam Jones, specifically. There's going to be a buffet. And you can join him on this exclusive uh, event and just eat your straws away. I would go to that. I
15: would pay to go to that. I would. And then the final one, Marcus the gary Thorne beer goggle <laughs> giveaway okay so we all know i mean all true fans know that gary Thorne sometimes can slur his words and sometimes <laughs> he can say some things that uh like oh that's adam jones and oh it's really tim beckham okay
14: <laughs> any what, black guy yeah. any black
15: guy is adam jones to gary <laughs> yeah. Thorne, i think so put on these beer uh goggles on and you will see the Orioles in a, in a more positive, optimistic light, you know.
14: Yeah, it, it's a. Uh, did you ever do the the drunk driving is bad thing in high school where they gave you like the science goggles and it made everything like blurry? Yeah, I had yeah. actually. That's how I envision this. Exactly. Would but like, it would just
15: be like, mm-hmm. like, even though they're terrible, it'll just look like they're playing well.
14: Yeah, <laughs> fly balls turn into home runs. Right. <laughs> uh, double plays or or not errors turn into double plays, things yeah. like that. That's about the norm you can expect on expect on a mass and broadcast anyway. So, I'd go to that. All right, so now we want to announce the winner. The bevy for most likely 2019 Orioles promotion and giveaway is... Is... Yeah. Drumroll. Be hungry, Adam Jones. That is that. I think that's a cool idea. It is. I would attend that, and it gives us some incentive for uh, for Adam Jones to come back. Food. You know? I don't think he would get that promotion if he signs anywhere else. Nope. Because nobody else is going to understand it. The Orioles yeah. fans know it. We know it. He's been a little, you know, he's our center fielder. He's getting older. He's slowing down, but we still love him. Stay hungry. So Adam Jones' <laughs> Stay Hungry exclusive is going to be the winner for the 2019 most likely Orioles
0: promotion slash giveaway at the Bevy Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jake English of Bird's Eye View.
1: For the second Bevy presented by the Bird's Eye View podcast, the category is Milestone That Hurt The Most. This season has been punctuated by a series of lows. And so we ask you, which low has hurt the worst? We'd like to thank you all for your votes, uh, for your tweets. Thanks for your feedback, but we ignored it all. It was meaningless. Scott and I picked something that we wanted. It's our show. Your nominees are as follows. Losing the Masson Cup. Dropping to 40 games below 500. Richard Blyer's injury and the end of his Cinderella story in Baltimore. Every time you realized that you might be watching the last time that Manny Machado does something as an Oriole. And finally, Chris Davis breaking the Orioles' record for strikeouts. There's the envelope. It just... um... Oh, good heavens. The winner is Dropping to 40 games below 500. Certainly an historic moment, uh, something they they almost had to try to do. Jake, Jake, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to interrupt you
2: really quickly. I I actually handed you the wrong envelope. What? I handed you the wrong envelope. Uh, The winner was not dropping to 40 games below 500. It's every time you realize that you might be seeing Manny Machado do something as an Oreo for the last time, just like... The oral screwing up this whole process. I have screwed up this process of handing you the correct envelope.
1: Oh, this is embarrassing. This is a bevy's first. This has never happened before. I, and it seems right for 2018. It does seem right. It does seem right. You know, the worst part. We about, really jack cussed to this. One. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part, Scotty, is that I've been tracking. Oh my gosh, I need to watch Manny Machado like a hawk. I haven't been watching anybody else. Right. And so now when I go, right. I what? think to myself, there's Manny. Oh, there's Adam Jones. There's Adam Jones. Yep, that might be the last time you see Adam Jones. Might be
2: the last time you see a Zach Britton. Might be the last time you see a Michael Givens. There's going to be a lot of players that we're going to look back and just say, was that the last time we've ever seen that player? And, you know, I think looking back on it, you know, there's been moments like that. I think J.J. Hardy is a good example of that where, you know, for as much of a contribution as he had, I can't remember his last at bat going into last season. Um, So I think it's one of those situations where when we are in this All-Star break— you know, we really should take credence and remember some of the moments that happened coming up to this, but also some of the moments that basically transpired and truly made them
0: fond in our hearts.
1: Scott, I'm just I'm going to go backstage and yeah. cry for a little while. OK, okay. let's let let's let Joey take it over.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please
16: welcome Ryan Blake of
0: Orioles Fan Problems.
16: Hey there, Birds Eye View listeners. This is Ryan Blake with you. Uh, you may know me through my Twitter account, Guy Blake, maybe through my other one, OriolesFanProblems, or uh, more likely you may know me as the kid who ate purple crayons and has no idea what good beer is. But nonetheless, I'm here for the second year in a row to uh, present for the Bevy Awards. Um, last year I presented to Chris Tillman the Don't Go In There After Me Award, uh, named after the uh, Office episode where they were having their... Uh, dundee awards and uh, michael presented kevin with the don't go in there after me award thanks to his uh leaving the restroom in a not so great condition Um, last year as i mentioned the award was presented to chris tillman as someone who uh consistently left the ball game with the game in a sticky situation meaning the orioles were uh not in great shape at the time of their departure uh this year i'm following a similar trend i'm going to present the same award um, and there were two pitchers this year uh, could have gone either way, really, um, both of whom are recent acquisitions and both of whom uh, continue to leave ball ballgames um, in bad shape for the bullpen. Um, this was a very close race uh, between two gentlemen. And uh, after further review, the winner of this year's Don't Go In There After Me Award is right-handed pitcher Alex Cobb, who boasts a 641 ERA, and has left 15 of his 17 outings this year with the game either tied or um, trailing. So uh, this year's Don't Go In There After Me Award goes to Alex Cobb. Hopefully this won't be a continuous trend. Um, He did start the season a little injured and uh, had to regroup, had a little bit of spring training for himself in May, which isn't ideal, but it is what it is. Um, so with three more years left on his deal, hopefully he can turn it around. There have been some positive trends. Not every outing has been bad. Um, sometimes leaving, uh, without the lead relies on the offense. We've seen that many times this year. Um, but hopefully Cobb can turn things around. We'll see. Um, but anyway, thank you for, uh, listening. And I don't know how to end this thing, but, uh, hope you enjoy this year's Bevy Awards. Take care.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Greg Wisniewski and Joshua Housam of the Artificial Turf Wars podcast. Hi,
17: I'm Greg Wisniewski. And I'm Joshua Housam. We're from Artificial Turf Wars, and we're proud to be presenting a bevy for the second year in a row. This year, our award category is Worst Recent Free Agent Pitcher Contract. Well, let's get right to the nominees. First up. Baltimore Orioles starter, Andrew Kashner.
4: Prior to the season, the O's signed Kashner to a two-year deal, which could become three years and up to $26 million. But despite a 2-9 record, he hasn't been a total abomination so far, so he's out of the running really
17: quickly for this year's bevy. Our second nomination is Chris Tillman, who signed with the Orioles for $3 million this past offseason.
4: Yeah, the bad
17: news Chris
4: Tillman's 10.46 ERA is second-worst all-time for an Orioles pitcher with 25 or more innings. Shouts to Brian Mattis.
17: The good? He's only thrown 26 and two-thirds, so he hasn't hurt them all that often. Well, then we'll move on. Our third nominee is also from the Orioles. Once a (laughs) Tampa Bay Ray, he came to the Orioles on a four-year, $57 million deal. Bidding against yourself and giving a long-term contract?
4: The Orioles way, folks. And we have no exception here with the 2-11 and Cobb and a 6.4 ERA, which is the second highest on this list. He didn't have a spring training, but that can only excuse for so long.
17: Our fourth nominee is a well-traveled veteran, but he is no Baltimore, Baltimore. Oriole.
4: It's over to Toronto this time for Blue Jay Jaime Garcia. This year's $8 million man, which will become $10 million when they decline his option, is sporting a sparkling
17: 6.16 ERA and like Chris Selman, currently on the disabled list with shoulder problems. Ray! That is an incredibly poor return on investment, Josh. But really, nobody even comes close to our winner this year. Our undisputed champion in the category of worst recent free agent pitcher contract is... Drumroll, please! Chris Davis! Oh, Chris
4: Davis signed a seven-year, $161 million contract with the Orioles before the 2016 season. He's under contract for four and a half more years at $23 million per season. I
17: I know. I know. I didn't think he was a pitcher either, but we've looked at the numbers, and they don't lie. He has two MLB innings under his belt and a 0.0 ERA. That would be pretty impressive if he just kept it up a little longer but not worth $161 million. I think it's pretty
4: clear that he is a pitcher. You don't hit 151 with a 507 OPS and stay in the lineup if you're not a pitcher.
17: So there you have it. Two innings in 2012 for $161 million makes Chris Davis a winner. Enjoy your worst free agent pitcher contract trophy, sir, and don't worry if you drop it. I'm sure you'll manage to miss the ground, just like every baseball you've seen this year.
0: And now it's time for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly of Potpourri.
2: All right. We're going to go into our favorite category for the bevvies. This is The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, Potpourri.
1: You're no Alex Trebek, sir.
2: Oh, yeah. So The Good, uh, I'm going to steal one from what earlier in the show. Kids Cheer Free, I think, has been a great success. Um, you can look at the entire upper deck. You can see families starting to come out to the ballpark. Um, whether or not the kids should be exposed to such a product in the field is one thing, but if anything, just getting them out and being familiar with the atmosphere and getting people back downtown, I think is a major win. Um, and going forward, I'm really looking forward to, uh, seeing the Oreos continue this program in future years.
1: All right. My good is, uh, the fact that the winning doesn't really seem to matter in certain regards. And what I mean by that is it is still great to spend time with friends and family at Camden Yards. Whether or not the Orioles win, and, you know, boy, howdy, I would prefer that they did. We love baseball. And if you want to argue that this is is or is not a baseball town, that's fine. But for those of us that do love baseball, there is nothing finer than attending a game, maybe perhaps, you know, not one that's attended by Yankees and Red Sox fans. But going to a game at Camden Yards is still a joy. And so if I can get no other joy out of Orioles baseball, I will take that as my good. And
2: my bad is going to go completely opposite. It's the apathy that we have seen. Folks, I've talked about it earlier. People are not turning into the game. There is massive TV decline at Masson. There's a massive attendance drop, even with kids cheer free. Baltimore doesn't want to support and or root for a bad team. When We even talked about this during 2012. This is a town that wants a winner. And even when it's a winner, they still don't come back and embrace it to the way that they probably should be. We've seen this in previous towns, such as the Kansas City Royals, where Kansas City truly embraced that team and basically had several sellouts. Baltimore is one of the situations where apathy is always going to be an issue. Unless it's in the now, then it's not good for them. So since the Orioles are not in the now, people have already moved on. People are already thinking about what are better ways for me to be spending my money? How can I be preparing for other sports teams that are coming into the mix in the near future? Apathy has crept in. And the question
1: is, when will apathy creep out and how, how long will it take? So let me ask you a couple of questions here, because I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. But do you think that the reaction that fans have right now is in some ways related to the 14 years of horror that preceded?
2: Sure. I, I think that to a certain regard, uh, people have assumed the fetal position, <laughs> And uh, people are bracing for the worst-case scenarios coming in the near future. Do
1: you think that they're not giving the club enough credit for the five or six years that they did have a winning product on the field?
2: Yes. I think that in the end, people are going to look back at this and say, well, they didn't win a championship. And uh, I I think that similar sentiments would have been held by the other team in Baltimore if they wouldn't have won the championship. Uh, But uh, I I think this is a situation where unless you get the championship— I think a lot of people in Baltimore and the surrounding region just basically said, well, then it wasn't successful. We've talked about this before. I completely disagree with this philosophy. Um, But at the same point, that's, I think, the general philosophy in the given area.
1: Do you think that the apathy is special or different this year than it would have been in any losing season in the fact that this is on its way to being an historic losing season? I mean, we are literally talking about are we on pace to break the Mets, you know, largest loss record in baseball. I mean, the Orioles aren't just terrible. They are possibly historically bad. Right. Do you think that makes the apathy stronger? Or do you think if this had been a, a season destined to go on to a 72 win mark, that Orioles fans would have jumped off just as quickly?
2: I, I think that part of it is with it being over so quickly that people basically automatically moved on we talked about this during 2012 just get to september and have competitive baseball we couldn't even get to may with competitive baseball this year which is really frustrating um i I think that some of that apathy set in to a greater extent due to how quickly it was over rather than the marathon to get there
1: all right last question on this topic i hate the apathy it's awful right it sucks turning on a tv and realizing that the game is already in the fifth and it's over and that you didn't realize the game was on, and that you don't really care that they're losing this one again. But this, got I think, is the the core question. The fans are apathetic. Based on what the team has done this year, does the team deserve that apathy? Um, I, I think, to a certain regard,
2: you should never be, maybe to the degree of apathetic, that we are seeing... Um, But the other aspect is I understand people wanting to move on. I I mentioned it earlier. Um, I think that people are willing to basically do other things with their lives than to basically just be humiliated and watching a bad team represent your town every single game.
1: All right. Fair enough. Well, on that lovely note, let me go to my bad. My bad is going to wait, be... The, wait, wait, That wasn't ugly. No. Oh, no, Scott. It gets so, so much worse. So much darker in potpourri. <laughs> yeah, this is the really smelly part of the yes. potpourri. Uh, my bad is going to be the Orioles' decision to break camp with not one, not two, but three Rule 5 draft picks. So they, this was Pedro Rojo,
2: Nestor Cortese... And Anthony Santander. Yeah, that's right. All right, do I win a prize?
1: You do win a prize. It's the okay. Baltimore Orioles. Congrats! <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> my uh, my issue with that is that uh, the Orioles were hamstrung from the beginning from a roster standpoint, and uh, we should have expected a drop off in performance. And lo and behold, that's what we got.
2: Yeah, Jake, my ugly is going to go to. It's going to go to the standings, and it's going to go to the record. And Jake. You've had a situation in your household where you've got a, a tradition, as it were, of writing up the record every single day to kind of remind you of where they stand close to 500. And, and Jake, it hasn't gone very well for you this year. Um, You know, when you go over 40 games under 500 and you look at the discrepancy, you say, that can't be right. And every single time I look at the win-loss record, I say to myself, no, that can't be right. Like... There has to be another like 10 or 15 wins there, but there's not. (laughs) And it's unbelievable to me that it's not there. And it just is like, how is that possible that that is not the case? So, oh, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, you know, just a terrible situation. Um, I, I mean, just looking at it, you know, the Orioles at this time are, you know, over 40 games under 500 and their elimination number for the wild card alone is, like, at 30 games. All right, and that's not even the aspect of So that would mean someone wins, someone loses. So, Jake, potentially by the end of July, the Orioles will have been eliminated from all postseason consideration moving forward. Just think about that. By the end of July, two months before the season ends, there will be no chance for the Orioles to potentially get into a playoff spot.
1: You know, I don't know off the top of my head, but I wonder what the earliest any team has been eliminated from playoff contention.
2: That's a great question for someone that actually has nothing better to do with <laughs> their lives. <laughs> I bet you the Orioles are on track to beat whatever that record is. I bet you it's really darn close. The only thing I would say is with the wild card era, I bet you they get pushed up a little bit. But it's really bad when you can't even finish July and you are already been eliminated.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Officially eliminated, I'll say. Well, this is going well, Scott. Yeah. Um, my ugly for potpourri is that the Orioles are once again the laughing stock of baseball. And that is no fun. You know, I, the Orioles started their losing when I was in middle school. And they didn't win again until I sent my kid off to kindergarten. It was a lost generation. And it was not just a generation in which there were more losses than wins. It was a generation of baseball in which the rest of baseball reminded you that this team is terrible. And the Orioles are now the butt of jokes. You know, you see it all over social media and even in articles of mainstream writers for national publications talking about how, oh, well, a starter is coming back from injury and then they're going to go off on a start against Baltimore, so it's kind of like a rehab start. They're not wrong, and it's kind of funny. But that sucks that that's the truth. It is really unfortunate that the Orioles are accurately the laughing stock of baseball. You mentioned it earlier. Fans don't want to come and be humiliated. My ugly is that being an Orioles fan right now is humiliating. Yeah. Jake,
2: you know how I like to break the rules. I do. I think we need to throw an honorable mention in here for ugly for potpourri.
1: Can't be Chris Davis. It's against the rules.
2: It's against the rules. But Jake, my my ugly is going to have to be us experiencing a, a death in Birdland. And it has to go back to we've lost something that's fond both to you and me and my heart. And it's we haven't seen much of Sassy Buck this season. <laughs> Sassy Buck has basically gone away. And it's been more defensive Buck than Sassy Buck. So... Dearly beloved, we have gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Sassy Buck, it was nice knowing you. Wherever you may go in the future, please be as sassy as possible.
1: <laughs> I had no idea where you are going with that, <laughs> and I am not disappointed.
0: <laughs> and now it's time for a last word from our hosts.
1: Well, dear listener, you have reached the end of yet another Bevy Awards program. As always, we would like to thank you. This project simply wouldn't work without you. We're humbled and appreciative that so many of you spend an hour a week with us celebrating or commiserating over the Baltimore
2: Orioles. And thanks to those of you who have reached out over the years. We have met so many amazing people through this podcast. Now more than ever, we're in this together. So don't be a stranger. Reach out and commiserate with all of us. We would also like to take our moment to thank our wives, the baseball widows, were a tolerant indulgent of this whole podcast thing that we call Bird's Eye View. Sure, maybe they knew what they were getting themselves into when they married us, probably not, but they're still
1: nicer about it than they have to be. Thank you to the many people who make Bird's Eye View possible. Our logo is the work of a phenomenal guys over at OVP Apparel. Our theme song, Watching the Orioles, is by Songs from the Moon. The interstitial music you hear each week is No Robots by Black Dog Crow and Mania by The Last Year. As always, we'd like to extend a special thank you to the voice of the bevies, Jovial J. Shepard, who every year says, yes, I'll do it. And every year knows that I'm going to get in his script at the very last minute. So thank you all again for listening to the sixth Bevy Awards. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a doo. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe
2: out there. And let's go O's lesson huh never a lesson never took one
0: thank you for listening to the sixth annual bevy awards for more lack of insight and baseless opinion subscribe to the bird's eye view podcast on itunes stitcher and google play music new episodes drop every monday during baseball season and monthly during the off season get social with bird's eye view on facebook snapchat and instagram but the best place to get a hold of them is on Twitter, where they tweet at Bird's Eye View B A L. And this is Jovial J signing off from the sixth annual Beverly Awards, and keep on swinging.